on the 75th episode of the Glass Cannon Podcast. This tomb has been raided. I suspect Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I hope she... <laughs> Passing through a door that's been sealed for centuries. And Baron, directly in front of you is a glass panel on the floor covered in centuries-old grime. Probing deeper into the darkness. You're able to slide the panel to the side, revealing a narrow, concealed passage. Oh. Leading down. Oh. The heroes discover a gruesome secret. It seems as if someone has desecrated his tomb. And I believe his evil was allowed to escape. This will not go unpunished. And awaken the evil within. I do, I do <laughs> They're dying. They're dying right in front of us. I Baron, see. what are you doing? No, no. Boom, oh, you shut the door. Oh. So I'm going to like, ride down I real quick. Della kind of like falling down. Kill. Let's be killed. Is near death. <laughs> the adventure continues now. Welcome back, Glass Cannonites. Troy LaValle here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's episode 75. This is insane to me. How the hell have we done 75 of these? Nonetheless, here we are, and what an episode we have coming up for you as the tomb of Nargrim Steelhand has now been opened after centuries of being sealed. What secrets or dangers lie within? Well, You'll find out soon enough, but we mentioned it as a little tease to the end of last week's cannon fodder, but coming this weekend, Skid, Joe, Grant, Matthew, and myself are heading to Cape Cod for the whole weekend for a little uh, GCP retreat, and we're taking you with us. Well, not literally, but kind of. We are going to spend the whole weekend gaming and geeking out like losers. We're going to try and record a couple episodes while we're out there, and what I think you'll really be interested in, we are going to be doing some fan interaction and giveaways all weekend long. I'll be honest, I don't even know what the hell's going to go down. Once you get the five of us in a house 250 miles away from our wives and girlfriends with booze and dice, anything can happen. We will definitely be recording, but before you ask, no, we will not be recording a live episode. That's just not how our show works. I'm way too much of a control freak to degrade the quality of the show with raw, unedited content. It just, it wouldn't be good, trust me. However, we're gonna do some Facebook Live. We're gonna do some Twitch. We're gonna give away a bunch of Pathfinder stuff, and you'll be able to talk to us and ask us about all of our dark secrets, which you just know Matthew has a ton of. So stay tuned, because late Friday night, November 4th, until the afternoon of Monday, November 7th, we will all be locked away together doing what we do best, pretending we're something we're not. Let us know on social media or email what you'd like for us to do that weekend, and maybe, just maybe, I'll say yes. 75 is a pretty big number, so here she is in all her glory. Episode 75, A Tomb with a View. Ladies, gentlemen, Grant. <laughs> I welcome you 
to episode 75. 75? 70. Oh, Lordy. We did it. (laughs) Lordy Lou. They told us we couldn't do it, but we did. Do you know how many podcasts make it to 75 episodes? None of them ever have. I think we're the first. First ever. I'm pretty sure it's the Centrum Silver episode. You really need to worry about osteoporosis at this age. Oh, yeah. Bone bone density definitely goes down. (laughs) When you say they didn't say we could do it, you're referring to our wives and girlfriends, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Just to be clear. And all you listeners. <laughs> y'all said we couldn't do it. Well, here we are, damn it. How do you feel now? <laughs> all that hate mail we got oh. early on. You'll never see 75, see? <laughs> I can't if all of our hate, hate mail is snidely whiplash. <laughs> you might get to 70. 72, perhaps. 74. 75's a dream. I tell you. <laughs> oh my god! And what an episode to uh, you know go into a tomb of a famed giant killer. Oh, so it just exciting. worked out perfectly. Oh. Uh, let's talk about this. I mean, the last big episode we had in terms of just numbers was episode fifty, the fall of Gormley, the fall. Of Ben Vereen. I always uh, pictured Ben Vereen exploding when he hit the ground. I think you said it. I think you said it when he did. That didn't really become canon, but, you know, I, I, that's how I pictured it. Just blah! Yeah. <laughs> All right. But it was like soft mulch. I don't know. If so Gormley's head popped off. And you just... <laughs> this, might be getting, this might be getting too far ahead of ourselves, but how do you plan on murdering Lexington this episode? I don't know. Uh, so Grant, many don't options. put ideas in his head. I have to say, you do possess an unnatural hatred for Joe's animal companions. <laughs> oh, man. And this Lexington is at the top of my hit list. <laughs> what has he ever done to you? Fucking magical wolf. I can't, I can't tell you, in looking for, looking for sound bites from the episodes, how many times I've come across you going like, Fuck that Wolverine, or I'm gonna kill your fucking bear. <laughs> well, it's an easy kill. Like you come to love those things, but I'd rather kill that than one of you guys. Um, but let's look wow. back. Let's look back and think about you hear that, Peta. <laughs> they said we'd man. never make it to 75. Those Petas. Episode 50 was our last big numerical episode, our seminal episode, the fall of Gormley, the fall of Ben Vereen. Uh, Iwiga was still a. Uh, a helpful, not so helpful companion. Yeah. Um, and now here we are at 75. 25 short episodes later. 25 <laughs> short episodes later and only uh, one member of the party is still the same. Mr. Baron Jones. <laughs> Baron Baronson. Baron John Doe, I think is the... Yeah, Baron Doe. You have Ingrahild, who was with the party but did not enter the Vault of Thorns. You now have the mysterious Umlo with you. Um, the cook. The cook. Umlo the cook with his mithril skillet. <laughs> and How expensive have... that would be to have a, a mithril cookware. Now that is not min-maxing. <laughs> talk, oh about, talk, about, talk about privilege. Yes. Dwarves take great pride in all of their instruments. Better be non-stick. Episode... <laughs> Terrible. That's just a property of mithril. <laughs> I, would, I would assume, yeah. It's like ceramics, a ceramic skillet just is nonstick naturally. Right. It's Teflon. Uh, episode 51, you meet one Delanarn, mm. and she is with the party. Nestor Coyne, a evil aligned slayer. Coin by name, coin by nature, as my old dad used to say. As his old dad used to say. <laughs> and of course, 
<laughs> Sir Willem <of> Keswick. <laughs> and his trusty steed Lexington. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six characters and a wolf. I mean, did you guys think that it would ever come to this? The party makeup is so different now. I mean, you used to be witch, gunslinger, ranger, um, cleric. Cleric, thank you. <laughs> and now you are slayer, magus, magus bard, uh, gunslinger, cavalier paladin. <laughs> or paladin cavalier. I mean, you've seen the damage that you've done in the last two episodes. I, I couldn't, th- I, any, anything I threw at you, you guys just boop, 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 took out. Are you well, feeling overconfident now because of this party makeup? Well, I think I, I was worried that you were getting frustrated because it's like, oh, you're killing all my monsters before. And it's like, I think that we all have to keep in mind, especially you, Troy, that this is a different this is a different party makeup now. And we're just we're going to be dealing a lot more damage than we were before. So I don't think, you know, you have to worry. It's like, oh, I got to balance it to make it like it was before. Right. You know, I mean, it's not going to be like it was before, you know. For sure. And I mean, you look what you face. You face spiders, you faced a caster, you know, you've sp- faced like animals that can do serious poison damage and whatnot, but you're all fighting from you've got two of you fighting from range, one of you fighting on top of wolf and one of you, you know, who just automatically quits and kills anything she touches <laughs> <laughs> with her 17 attacks and spells. Um, I was talking to Skid before, there was like, if you think about like the classic party makeup where you have like frontline fighter, rogue, caster, healer, we've, t- we've kind of taken those roles and broken them up into small sub roles and then just weirdly distributed them about the, about the, you know, throughout the party. So you've got your frontline fighter in, who is also, who's kind of Della and Sir Will, who's also a healer, mm-hmm. and Della's also the caster, right? And, and the healer, and the healer, and then you've right. got because <laughs> you're a bard, your rogue, who's also your now principal damage dealer, and then you're and then you have and, and Baron, who's shooting a gun and can automatically hit stuff from range. It's just a, like we've we've taken everything and just scrambled it around. I would say that the greatest weakness for the party, and we'll see if this comes to bear, is having a true caster. Yeah, there's no real high no power real, magic. There's yeah. no blaster. You know, um, no one can cast battlefield level, level. control type. Oh, caster. we can deal a lot of physical damage, right? But that's about it. Well, yeah, nobody has a spell over level two right now. That no. right? that that won't rear its head as much. I mean, casters come to their own around like level ten, eleven, really, when they start to really separate from the party, and really like. I'm in a, a campaign now with Skid where we have level 14 characters approximately, and my barbarian, who was just a whirling dervish of death, is now looking at our summoner and just jaw-dropping damage <laughs> and battlefield effects. So what I'm saying is kill one of us and we'll bring back a caster. <laughs> we'll unbalance it even further. Don't you worry, buddy. <laughs> it is episode 75, after all. Um <laughs> Well, it, I'm I'm interested to see. Like, I I don't know. Joe is the, can be the first one to attest. I am a, a stickler for the die. I love the idea of probability controlling things. So I'm I'm going to be interested to see. Like, are you just guys going to just keep mashing, or is thing are things going to change? And how will certain things that have not affected you so far? How will you deal with that? Like, you dealt you dealt with poisonous spiders. Great. What's going to happen when fifteen giants come running at you? Different ball game. Different. Yeah ball game we i think you know consciously and subconsciously we were trying to when we picked new characters we were trying to think about those giants and we right have, and i mean so we haven't tested ourselves against that yeah. yet i think as well as much as joe talked about 
how devastated Lork was about not being able to save everyone, about Gorim abandoning him in this time of need. I think Baron is thinking a change has got to come. And, you know, he's got to change his ways because he let down people, too. Mm-hmm. He let down... The, he, he, as strong as his magical handbanger is, he couldn't save Galabras and, and uh, Gormley from their fates. Right, and Baron, like... You guys might all feel like, all right, feeling pretty good. Baron, you've seen enough to know that those last couple battles, right. the, the tide is going to turn. Oh. Yeah, I think that Sir Will has pretty much only known victory to this point, you know? Right. And he's never been in real serious, he, he hasn't been in a real serious combat situation where a lot of people have died. So he's very optimistic, you know, about his, the, his goddess being on his side and what is, you know, the future's bright ahead of him. Uh, he's on the side of right, and the side of right always prevails. He hasn't really been taken off that pedestal yet. The hardest battles we ever had, in my opinion, are the ones where intelligent NPCs are driven by rage and anger, and that is Screed and Malira. Hmm. They had the most devious, web-snaring plots and plans for us to fall into, um, and, and the same with Awiga. Fortunately for us... Um, Grenseldeck was so depressed and sad that she really wasn't as effective as she would have been, probably. Um, so what I'm worried is a guy, potentially, who's been buried alive for 700 years, <laughs> furious at us coming in and just, you know, we killed his mother. Yeah. Wow. Lockmore Ettergun. And he's got to be insane. Or, or if not his mother, maybe a descendant or something. Right. Um yeah, because the bodies have not been here for seven. Yeah, the bo- years. the body. Said, That's what was confusing uh, that's my son. from last that's week. My son. Yeah. Um, so maybe that other thing was some sort of descendant. Um, also, your most dangerous episodes tend to be multiples of twenty-five. <laughs> that cannot be overlooked. <laughs> it's just like the Giants with even year World Series. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> Giants Slayer. Oh boy. That was that was so loyalty. Duty, strength, and the sort of circular door connected to the tomb opens up into darkness. <laughs> Sirens came us everything! Oh, that's awesome! Oh, that's great. That's great. And you see, uh, those of you with dark vision see a room ahead of you. Maybe it's 30 feet long, about the same amount wide. Tightly spaced pillars that line the walls of this wide chamber gracefully suspend a vaulted ceiling. Walls, ceiling, and pillars alike have been cut from the surrounding stone. Centuries of dust coat every surface and the air is stale. A large translucent panel is set in the center of the floor. On either side, a stone door sits inside a low arch. Whoa. And it is darkness in Pathfinder terms. Who has dark vision in the group? Della does. Baron. Della and Baron. <coughs> Sir Willamette does not. Sir Willamette and Nestor Coyne. Humans. Well, a human and a halfling. No dark vision. You have low light Turtle vision. power. Nope. Nothing. No. Nothing. Can't see shit. Okay. I uh, got the three dwarves standing up front. So they can all see. They can all see. Ingrahild and Umlo. 
wide-eyed. Didn't we have uh, some sort of light source? I, uh, Della, lit your, your bow on fire. Oh, that's right, yeah. But, that's right. Or, lit your... Lit it on, <laughs> on fire. Lit it on fire. Oh, wait, no, I need that. <laughs> Can't be trusted. I need that. How, how long does that last? If, I think it lasts 10 minutes per caster level, so it's it's going to last a while. And that'll yeah. give, around the area where Nestor is, uh, a 20-foot aura of dim light, or a 24-foot aura of foot air, normal, light. Normal, light. normal light. And, and then, then another 20 feet of low dim, light. Dim light. Uh, dim yeah, light. Dim think light. of Diablo 2 listeners. Yeah. Diablo 2 listeners? <laughs> think of, think the of the Diablo 2 <laughs> listeners. Please give now. <laughs> These poor people can only listen to a visual game. <laughs> what do you guys, Gal and Wolf, do? Well, so Nestor sort of standing at the back, and he pulled. He's got his bow, and he's just not. He's got it ready, like he's got an arrow knocked and drawn, and um, he's like, "Be my guest." I'm low and Ingrid look to Baron and say we're, we're going in if you'll have me I'll walk side by side with you and we walk forward to inspect this room the three dwarves the two Nargrimikins and the one parentless former Redheart motherless Baron step into the room the dwarves Umlo and Ingrahild fan out around this translucent panel. And Baron, directly in front of you, is a 15 foot by 20 foot like glass panel on the floor, covered in centuries old grime, yellow from age and dust. Um, I take my pants off. A kerchief out of of my duster. I take a kerchief out of my duster Mm -hmm. and I gently wipe away as if an archaeologist was approaching a dig site to see if there's anything underneath the dust. Dust is starting to move, but you feel like you'll need a little more elbow grease to get some of that grime off. Okay. Um, I do a quick check around, thinking back to our journey through the woods uh, of traps. I just do a quick perception check to see if I see any obvious wires or anything that could trap this area. Sure. 29. You don't see anything. What does it smell like? I'm sorry, like? 30, but that's stale. Fine. Just musty. Yeah, stale. like a sealed tomb. You know, like a, you ever have that um, go down to your cellar and you haven't been down there in a while? It's got that like celery, musty, moldy smell. Mil- mildewy. Yeah. I say. It's not it, a lot of fresh air coming in here. I say in Dwarvish to Umlo and Ingrahild. We are here with the Nargrimkins. We come with respect and all due deference. To steel hand, and I invite them to help me clean off this clear glass plate with whatever they have. And they oblige. They pull out, you know, you know they use their clothing or whatever, and they just start rubbing. And you guys begin rubbing away. I mean, it's a pretty large surface, so you're just getting uh, sort of, you know, a ra- uh, you know, tiny circles that you can look in. And eventually, you can see below into another room. Sheriff, may I risk a little light? Let me just take a quick peek. I think that uh, any type of reconnaissance uh, mission deserves a little bit of uh, reticence around using light. 
So just one moment, but I would love your help. At your command, but know that I cannot see. Absolutely, I understand. Let me just take a quick peek. And also imagine Nestor, uh, the light from off of his bow is sort of spilling out into the room, but it's just lighting like where Baron's standing and a little bit around it, and then it's dim uh, below. So you can't really see too much. I can't see through it? Okay. So I say, to Nargrim Steelhand, I say, I am inviting a righteous warrior of Yomadai into your midst to help us through this tomb. So, uh, Sir Will starts to, like, slowly trot Lexington into this dark room, and he's, like, saying prayers under under his breath, like, Yomadai, please protect me. And uh, he's going to, in his main hand, he's going to light a torch and just, like, hold it aloft, trot up to the edge of the glass, and then hold it out over the glass. Baron, roll a perception check. 29. 29. boy. I'd just like to point out that that's my die Grant is using. Yes, thank you, Matthew. And it never rolls that well for me. <laughs> Time to trade die. Um, the glass looks to be about five inches thick. Um, you, you feel like it could support your weight. Um, as you've cleaned it off and, and Umlo and Ingrahild have helped, you've got a wide enough spot to sort of look below you see a sarcophagus. Whoa. Creepy. That has been opened with its lid pushed to the side. Whoa. This offers a glimpse of its occupant. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'm scared. <laughs> Just like Diablo 2. <laughs> so inside, you get, see it. you get a peek into what's in there. A crumpled corpse dressed in a suit of scale mail armor. While the view is centered on what must be Nargrim's sarcophagus, your keen eyesight in peering into the room also sees sort of north of the sarcophagus in a little alcove a large broken cage. Hmm. I um, am immediately suspicious because in our last episode, I believe you told me that Nargrim Steelhand wore a suit of mail made from the nails of giants that he had slayed, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. So just seeing scale mail there makes me think, is this the body? Is this a ceremonial dwarven ritual? Um, Now, mind you, too, that it is... You're doing the best you can to right. sort of get out. As far as you know, that scale. Five inches thick glass is hard to see through. Yeah. So um, I turn towards uh, Della, who seems to be the person that knows the most about planes, and I turn to um, Willamette, Sir Willamette, and I say, there was a cage in there. Now, I don't know much about the past, but if you know anything about in your history books that you've seen about dwarven burials or what might be down there, it might be a good time for you to check that out. Well, this, if you ask me, I believe that they they must have caged this Erdogan in there with oh, him. Oh, yes. And if the cage is broken, then I believe his evil was allowed to escape. And I'm going to cast Detect Evil. Um, it's a 60-foot cone. Uh, Nestor's behind me. No <laughs> jokes. Let's just look for evil. Uh, I just want to kind of scan the area within 60 feet. So that's through the walls as well. Right. Um, and if there's anything, it would give off a faint glow. Um, so it's probably the 
all the way to the floor, or at least the sarcophagus is 50 feet down. Oh, wow. It's, it's a pretty high... Uh, so it's not just under the glass. You know, sepulchre. 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 Down there. Um, Say that five times fast. Really, it's sepulchre. sepulchre. <laughs> Say five times fast, five times fast. <laughs> I know. Um, but you do not detect um, any evil. I feel he has escaped from this place. He may be deeper within the vaults. I say we keep on going, uh, but I'd like to look around the edges for any other runic inscriptions or secret doors. All right, Willem, it'll start sort of trotting around the edge, uh, of around the glass, around the perimeter, just holding the torch aloft, looking at the walls, you know, uh, seeing if there's any etchings, any markings, anything on the doors that indicates what they might lead to. Um, no, there's two doors, like I said, one to the north, one to the south. Um, they are in archways, and the room seems pretty unadorned, except for the pillars that are creating this, you know, the vaulted ceiling. Um, so it's just a, a, a viewing chamber. And there's nothing written on the ceiling itself? No. Okay. No, it's pretty, uh, you know, when you came in, there was runes all around the circle, but this seems to be maybe purposefully unadorned, because it's all mm-hmm. about what you're looking at below. I say, Ingrahild Umlo, do we go left or do we go right? I defer to your judgment as a survivalist, as, as a tracker. I will roll a survival check. 26. This is incredible. That's awesome. 26. <laughs> Matthew is so upset. About <laughs> you could never return that I don't, die. I don't uh, think I've ever rolled this well on any die, let alone that <laughs> one. Oh my god! You don't see any tracks. Hmm. Is there anything? Sort of a crapshoot. Is there anything that, if Della were to approach and look down into the tomb, is there any indication of where a door is, or like some, we could do a do- knowledge engineering to suggest how to get down there? Um, you can't, uh, from what Baron was able to see, he can only see sort of straight above, but the room seems to go... It's big, big room. You know, larger to the east, but he can't... Oh, so this is just a viewing chamber into what looks to be a larger room. It's larger not just a room. pit in it, the middle. It's right. like okay. It's like Grant's tomb, but with glass over this it. This is making so sense, from, yeah. yeah. This is cool. Very cool. We're up 116th Street in Manhattan. That is a beautiful tomb. I went with, I went with my as far da- as tombs go. My dad named me after him, and I went there with my dad, and it was really weird to see the tomb of the person I was named after. That's you, always weird, yeah. yeah. Do you remember the famous trivia question, who's buried in Grant's tomb? Yeah. Oh, yes. Do you guys know the answer? Okay. Grant. Grant and his wife. And Grant. And Grant. Grant and Grant. Grant and Grant. Grant not, Berger. Not this Grant. Not, not, Grant. not that Grant. All right. Um, Maybe you will be by the end of 75. <laughs> so the survival... Do you have anything to say about it? <laughs> the survival check gives me no information whatsoever. No information. Um, I, I turn to... Um, Ingrid has begun walking like to the north. just Baron. Inspecting the door. But Sorry. Sheriff, what do your instincts tell you? My inst- we go where you lead. My instincts say to go Right. I always like the path of right. Right is... Righteousness. <laughs> Della turns to Nestor there. and says, Shall we? Well, they seem to know what they're doing, don't they? <laughs> they're so decisive, aren't they? 
there appears to be more uh, board space to draw on, on the right side. <laughs> oh, that's so, a good point, yeah. I went that way. <laughs> well, yeah. Knowledge map drawing. Please don't take that. <laughs> Knowledge <laughs> metagaming. <laughs> uh, I, Nestor is going to go to the uh, the door on the right and uh, check for traps. Della will follow. Uh, 22. Doesn't appear to be trapped. I say a pr- Or locked, for that matter. I say a prayer to... Torag and Dwarvish asking for forgiveness for letting a cold-blooded killer, not someone who kills with any type of might or right, the path of right on their side, into this holy place. I'm standing right here, mate. <laughs> you, you know Dwarvish? Let me see your character sheet. <laughs> I thought my name. <laughs> um, okay, so Nestor walked up, did not appear to be trapped, did not appear to be locked. Baron, you stand in front of the southern door. What do you do? I will open it. I'll get a little WD-40 down here. (laughs) Take a look at those. Baron, you open the door, and you are just smacked in the face with stink, nauseating stench, filling this chamber just immediately comes into the viewing chamber room where you're standing. You see a bunch of broken stuff laying about the room. With your dark vision, you can see all the way to the other end of the wall. Um, It just looks like broken furniture, all sloppily piled into strange arrangements all throughout the room. Um, Among the pile of wreckage, there's like toppled statuettes of jade and serpentine, shards of clay and porcelain urns, and several crushed drinking steins, which you would obviously notice. Um, That was pointed. (laughs) Not you, Grant. You, Baron. You, you drunk. Grant, you have a real problem. (laughs) Um, It smells like, uh, like B.O. and shit. I take the curtain. I thought that this is a whole podcast is an elaborate intervention for Grant. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know, it's 75, 75 episodes to work up to it. <laughs> Suppose you're wondering well, why Grant. we called you here, Grant. <laughs> you can leave anytime you want. <laughs> anytime you want to go, Grant. Doors right there. But do you mind if we just uh, we tell all, you how we feel? We all love you. We all love you. Matthew has a letter he'd like to read to you. Uh, I'm working very hard on this. <laughs> I prepared some background music on Sirenscape. <laughs> Dear Grant, I miss. Our early times. <laughs> you guys remember when we restarted that recording because I got angry that Joe got a uh, hero point that I deserved. And that's what I would do if you actually did that. I'd flip this table over. I'd run out. Oh, the bottle cap. The, uh, the bottle cap. Yeah, for the, right, for the, uh, after, at, right before Skid got impregnated by the... Um, What's the, it called? The Griff. The Griff, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Classic. So, um, throwback, 75, so nostalgic. Um, this is like a clip episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're too tired to do we're an actual episode. We're too tired to do an actual episode. Just gonna, yeah. Baron covers his, uh, his uh, nose and mouth with the kerchief he was previously using. He whips it in the air very quickly to get the dust that was in it out. And he holds it with his left hand, his non-dominant hand, Smart. and he keeps his gun drawn as he kind of sidles his way into the room, looking above and around for anything. And he says to the group, we're not the first visitors to this tomb. And you walk in. Yes. So Baron covers his mouth. Smart. You've dealt with nauseating things before. You've dealt with airborne shit. You walk in, gun drawn, looking up, looking all around, but not looking 
down. Chink! Two bolts fire directly at you. Uh, 22 to hit. Hit. Roll a fortitude save. Burn! Is it a poison? It is. Okay. 20. Oh, Grant. 12 points of damage. And you are not poisoned. Oh, listen to this one. Trap sprung. Oh, nice. Courtesy of Cyberscape. <laughs> Double crossbow trap. The bolts hit you. 12 points of damage. But you hardy dwarf that you are, fight off whatever sort of poison was about to mess you up from the inside. I say, Nestor, I could use your particular set of skills now. I think I've uh, sprung another trap, but it's nothing but a little scratch. Uh, right, yeah, well, uh, all right, yeah, I'll take a look. (laughs) This is my field of uh, professional expertise, so that's fine. Uh, no, no, don't say anything. <laughs> no. Come on, rest of the group. No, road 16 is all, all's well. <laughs> I you, will. See, you look down, obviously now, if you pull the bolt out of you, you can look down and see there was a trip wire there on the first square. Are there square. any others? Oh, yeah. Um, you can roll a perception. I would like to actually take my duster off, and I'm going to whip the dust in this room, if there is any, that way to see if it you know, will unveil anything or aid in my perception. Okay, check. so you take the duster off, and you see that Baron doesn't, uh, he skipped chest day. Yep. I'm all legs, uh, all legs. It's all legs. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's it's smelly now, like, the, uh, Umlo and uh, Ingrid are kind of stepping back away from the door, the smell is so bad. Um, but it looks like there's only that one tripwire in front of you. My perception check, I'll just, uh, that's a 25. 25. Yeah, look, you can see with your dark vision the whole rest of the room. It, there's too much stuff mm-hmm. broken around the room for there to be another tripwire. I ask Umlo and Ingrahild to help me rummage through the items that are here to see if there's anything of importance to Mr. Steelhand himself. Of course. It seems as if someone has desecrated his tomb by destroying all of his funerary gifts. This will not go unpunished. And uh, Umlo and Ingrahild carefully walk into the room stepping over the tripwire um, Sir Will will trot in as well once the dwarves are in Della will join as well and uh, Umlo's like rats look at this there are half eaten rat carcasses all over the room and other vermin skeletons this human waste what is this what happened here? Seems as if someone destroyed this in a fit of rage. It was Edagun, I'm bound to believe. He couldn't get out. He was starving. He was reduced to eating rats. Filthy, filthy creatures. This is a great dishonor to our ancestor. I'd like to, um... We need to move, I know, but I also turned to Willamette and I said, please, Sir Will, I'm not a man of the cloth as you may be. Could you please say a quick word of prayer for this room? I will do what I can. And he says a prayer to Iomadai to uh, 
desecrate any or uh, to desecrate. <laughs> Fuck Torag. Uh, friends. Wait, wait, wait. They're friends. Cut the mic. Cut the mic. Yeah. So, um, you know, he'll offer to help if they want to take any. You know, if there's any particular holy symbols or anything like that, they want to get out of the muck. Um, you know, he'll help kind of root through and do that kind of stuff. But he's not really gonna. I don't think we're gonna put anything back together. But yeah, uh, at least clean a little bit. Yeah. Did you say skeletons? Like uh, skeletal carcasses of, of rats, of little uh, rats. Okay. Another vermin. Beware of shadow rats. I've heard of them <laughs> walking, inhabiting <laughs> tombs, and I know the evil god Troy likes to sick them on people. <laughs> Their CR is much too low for these type of encounters. Um, they would still do a number on us. Still, yeah. we'd, we'd still die. So don't have channeling. Are you guys all in the room now? Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, Sir Willamette on Lexington. Uh, so there's only one door uh, on the eastern side of the room. Nestor, if you're along sort of the western wall, you see there's cracks and holes in the wall. Maybe it's worn over time. Maybe it's been done by someone. Not enough that any, like, person could fit through, but certainly rats and other uh, insects. So whatever or whoever was here... Um, could it could sustain off of that stuff all right uh well first thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna disable the trap i'm gonna fuck up the trap okay uh even though it's spent its ammo and i'm gonna just do a quick perception check uh 17 um and 20 for traps so you look at the wall you're looking at these holes you don't detect any traps okay and i'm gonna make my way over to the door too and check it for traps okay uh, 26. 26. It appears to be untrapped and unlocked. So uh, Sir Willamette wants to, he's going to trot along the south wall uh, with the torch up, and he's just going to just sort of graze his offhand along the wall as he walks and see if he can detect any sort of uh, seams or lines that would indicate a hidden door or something of, of that nature. Uh, 15. 15. You do not uh, detect uh, a hidden door or anything. You just see the double crossbow sort of set in the in the southern wall. Ignore what I said before about what Nestor was doing. It's it's set right there. Got it. Baron will open the next door. Baron sidles up to the next door, and you see a hallway that ends about 25 feet into nothingness. Into nothingness into another wall. I uh, <clears throat> ask again for Nestor's kind assistance. Uh, I'm gonna, before I do that, I'm going to just quick scan over everything in the room to see if there's anything valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, 27. 27. Good roll. It is um, surprisingly empty of valuables. Everything has, that is here has been destroyed. But if this was some sort of reliquary, there would should be valuables here, and there are none. Hmm. It's been looted. This tomb has been raided. I suspect Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I hope she. <laughs> I hope she gets full custody. Fuck Brad. Uh, <laughs> Team right. Angelina. Willamette will trot up uh, to the doorway and offer a little extra light to Nestor to check yep. the hall for I'm traps. Check the hall for traps. I love this image of like holding out the torch. 28. All the shadows it casts. 28. So Willamette and Nestor, this unlikely duo, 
Uh, Willamette stands at the door, allowing. Could us you hold that light a bit higher? Oh, sorry. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's enough for you to see dimly that it, it ends. And Nestor, you do not detect any traps in this hallway. You see that twenty-five feet, it turns. All right. Turn back. Say, looks clear to me. All right. Um, we can keep letting Nestor lead, or uh, you know, the dwarves can go first because it's it's whatever you guys want. May I suggest you go first, Sheriff? You can see in the dark, and we won't have to light our way so brightly. Perfect. And we'll I, be right behind you. And I wave Ingerhild and unload up. With so, them. yeah, let the dwarves go first, and we'll back them up. All right, so, Baron, Umlo, Ingerhild, walk down to the end, and the hallway turns and ends at another door. Uh, I don't want. Don't this. you love dungeons? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love it. drawing them. There's just like, oh, a I door. am I, nervous. I put my ear up to the door and I do a perception check to see if I can hear anything on the other side. Sure. Uh, seventeen. Seventeen. Silence. Okay. Not even the wind. I almost want to take my potion of cure light wounds before I go in. That's right, because you guys are. I mean, you didn't. You guys didn't get hit that hard in that last. Yeah, but I'm down a few battles, right? Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm down, down a, a couple. My strength is still damaged. Oh right. Oh, oh man. man. And Baron's down one dex. Yes, I still am, which still has me at eighteen. And what'd you, Nestor? You lose. How much strength did you lose? Two. Two. Yeah. I um, hundred hit points. No, <laughs> totally I, healed. Della got hit in both combats. Oh, that's right. The the player Just inside of me time. wants to turn and ask for a channel, but the daring gunslinger inside of Baron opens the door. Okay. What do I see? Baron opens the door. Yes. And sees the following. Uh, another room that is so oh, 20 feet wide, 25 feet long, and off in the northwest portion, you see another hallway continuing. Maybe it leads around in a circle to that first viewing room you're in. Maybe it leads deeper into the tomb. There are four statues of idealized dwarves standing against the walls of this chamber next to stone fonts. A dusty film covers the fonts and their basins, Baron can see obviously from that vantage point are inscribed with dwarven runes. On the eastern wall, there's a massive stone panel bearing a uh, bas-relief likeness of a dwarven warrior garbed in a suit of scale mail and wielding an oversized barbed spear. That's on this side of the room? Yes. uh, No, eastern portion. Correct, right. So there's four statues, two on the western wall, two on the eastern wall. Between the two statues on the eastern wall is this huge bas-relief of a giant excuse me, of a dwarf, scale male, large barbed spear, oversized barbed spear. Just remember that Troy orients all the maps to himself and not the players. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) The carved figure on the wall is completely unadorned, as as far as you can see. I mean, you're not, I never said that. You're not in the room yet. Uh, So I step to the edge of the room. Uh, and if there's nothing along this wall of value, and I'm pointing towards the southern wall, so the northern northern, northern wall, so on the northern wall, <laughs> this help? Great. So uh, if there's nothing on the northern wall of value, uh, no, it, 
completely I, up to you. I pull the uh, dwarven war axe off my back and I fling it across the room into the wall. It just it hits and hits the floor. Okay. Now I take a quick look up, down, left, right into this room for traps. Roll perception. Twenty. You see no traps. I walk into the uh, room. Chink. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Baron walks into the room. Umlo and Ingrahild very quickly follow. And can we read the runic inscriptions? Absolutely. What do they say? Rubbing the dust off of these statues. Each of you grab a statue and just start rubbing the dust off the fonts to be able to read these runes. Regular old dwarf party. Roll a knowledge religion. I cannot do that. Right. Unless you say it's so Toraggy that um, I would know. Ingrahild and Delican. And so can Will, I imagine, right? Yeah, I'm not in that room. I'm not either. You want to call me in? Can't see anything. Right. Um, so you see likenesses of four dwarves. One you know is Torag. The other three you're not sure. They're probably his children, right? And Ingrahild is like, but they don't. They seem to be of the same age. Oh, okay. Um, so I uh, say, light up your torches, boys. Come on in, and girl. All right. Della will roll knowledge religion as well. Willamette and Lexington will walk in. Della doesn't know. Neither does Willamette. Did Ingrahild? Uh, no, Ingrahild uh, doesn't as well. So you see Torag and three other uh, statues. Uh, one is a, a woman and two, two are men. Hmm. And they seem to be of the same age of this uh, statue of Torag. Similar age. Uh, do they look fat, skinny? Do they have? Do their faces look like anything in particular? Are they adorned with any armor, weapons? Uh, is there any more flavor text? Uh, nope. Just the, the the runes. There's dwarven blessings on each one. And they're just standard blessings, just like standard. Yeah. Keep this house, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I go around and I I look all the way around the back if I can maneuver there. I look all the way around each four of them, and I'm looking for secrets and intrigue and anything fun. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Roll a uh, stone cutting, because they're all made of stone. 24. 24. So you look at the two on the western wall, mm-hmm. and don't see anything of interest. You then go to the eastern wall, and that's where uh, the statue of Torag is, and that's where the bas-relief is. You also don't see anything of particular interest on the statues, other than recognizing one as the father of creation. But you do see on the bas-relief, now that you're closer, two things. One, the carved figure of this dwarven warrior is completely unadorned, with the exception of its right hand, which is leaded in silver. Oh. You'd think steel would be more appropriate. It's like a bas-relief, the way it's, ca- it's carved. Everything, right, right. there's nothing special on it, but it's silver embossed on its right hand. Well, silver's more valuable, so it might be a ceremonial. Yeah. You know. And you so also... he's naked? <laughs> no, he's wearing scale mail. 
Oh, okay. So uh, totally unadorned. It's just, well unadorned in, in the sense that like the wall. <laughs> fancy. This has been carved. Right. The wall is completely. There's not like. <laughs> he's just nude. He's nude. Except for a covered hand. He has a large barbed penis. <laughs> and his, <laughs> and his other finger is to his lips to say like, Ooh, look at me. I'm the Venus de Milo. <laughs> he appears to be stepping out of a shower. <laughs> <laughs> but the the wall doesn't have any rubies or gems or anything encrusted into it. It's like a candid shot. Of the, <laughs> he's like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, car, no carpet now. <laughs> I couldn't put him out. There he is in all his glory. Oh, don't trust car- me. It'll be better with the armor. Trust me. Don't carve me now is one of my favorites. Um, so I, uh, I attempt. But yeah, the hand is is silver. But you notice two things. I said uh-huh. um, with a twenty-four stone cutting perception check, you also notice a small gap between the stone panel. And the wall. Uh, I attempt to see if I can maneuver that gap wider. And then I also, if I cannot, I will attempt to depress the silver adorned hand. You touch the hand and just feel silver. You know, you could chip away at it if you wanted to be a grave robber. (laughs) Sell it on the black market. Or the silver market. (laughs) That would be appropriate. Um, And then you stick your hand into the panel, and with a little help from Umlo and Ingrahild, you're able to slide the panel to the side, revealing a narrow, concealed passage leading down. Boys, I think this is how we might have escaped. Oh, that is so cool. Oh, that's wow. good. That's good, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say, do you want to see any more on this level, or should we go down and try to have the element of surprise on our hands if anything's down there? I always say, take the secret door. They'll never see it coming. <laughs> it's, it's the uh, phrase of my house. <laughs> always take the, the words secret. of my house. The words of my house. <laughs> always take the secret door. This is so cool. Let's take the secret door. Let's get this going. We say it at weddings and funerals. And... <laughs> he, li- he died as he lived, taking the secret door, <laughs> as is tradition. Um, so, yeah, you, you see a staircase leading down, and the uh, seems to 20, 25 feet it turns. I go down. I'm, I'm mindful of any um, wire traps or, or such similar thing. That seems to be the modus operandi of whoever is setting the traps in this campaign. Right. You have one example with which to use that. Also in the forest. Correct. Yeah, more than one. You're wrong. I win. Bottle cap. <laughs> I think that's a definite bottle cap. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Um, so you go down. Yes. Baron enters. I'm low in Ingrahild. And I'm checking as whenever I can. Fast at their heels. Roll of perception. 22. 22. You do not see any traps. You do not see any runes. When I reach the base of the stairs where it turns, do I see anything else? You see a door. <laughs> at the end of a tiny five, ten foot long hallway. I uh, just see if there's anything obviously unusual with it. With a uh, 20. Looks totally normal. I open it. Chink! More wire traps. 
You're right, bottle cap. Uh, I wish that's how it happened. <laughs> you open the door and see the room that is indeed the viewing chamber. Ooh. Uh, this is amazing. I wish you guys could see this map that Troy obviously spent several hours drawing. <laughs> Dungeon maps are pretty, I like dungeon maps because they're usually pretty boxy. You know, it's like X amount of feet by X amount of feet. Not a lot of uh, curves. Yeah, running, um, like open spaces of running water and so it's right. tough to draw. And I only have one uh, blue expo marker um, because I refuse <laughs> to invest in any more. So all my maps are blue. They could sponsor us. <laughs> Come on, expo, that's expo markers. You're drawing maps for your Wanna friends. Want to get high? <laughs> <laughs> Want to get high and draw maps for your adult friends? <laughs> That's expo. So it's it's a good thing the dwarves are up front because your dark vision allows you to see relatively everything in this room. Do you step in, Baron? I step in. Baron steps in. Umlo and Ingrahild flank Baron on either side because they, wide-eyed as usual, be knowing that they are in the tomb of their ancestor, Nargrim Steelhand. I am in absolute awe, but I know that I have been told that I am representing Torag's son, who was the strength. So I am trying to hold it back and keep a steel-eyed look on my face as I enter into this room. And I ask Umlo and Ingrahild if we should approach. We should, but first... Let the DM explain what the room looks like. <clears throat> Ingrid's like, yes, it's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> On either side of the room are two wide alcoves flanking the eastern portion of the room, flanking where you're standing. The floor in front of you is inla- inlaid with the symbol of an ornate warhammer. Classic Torag. Each alcove to the right and left of the dwarves on the far ends of this room uh, contain a large iron brazier crammed with baubles, trinkets, a bunch of stuff just crammed in there. Doesn't look like that's how it was originally put when uh, Steelhand was laid to rest. Beyond the alcoves, so moving forward into the room, visually, the chamber begins to narrow and a flight of wide steps climb to a vaulted recess in the back. Vaulted, obviously, because the ceiling had the viewing chamber. A great stone sarcophagus, its lid pushed to one side, lies in this space beneath the translucent panel in the ceiling above. A smaller alcove stands on either side of the stone coffin. One, you know, has a broken cage in it. The other can't quite see. And on the back wall, beyond the sarcophagus, is one of the most beautiful works of dwarven artistic craftsmanship you've ever set your eyes on, Baron. And as a man, who spent a good couple weeks carving a beautiful, uh, you know, triptych mural on the Chelish Devil, you realize how great dwarven artisans can be. 
you see in all of his glory, Nargrim Steelhand, with his silver hand holding the same oversized, large, barbed spear, fighting a giant surrounded by his kinsmen, each dwarf unique in their appearance. Where's Judas? Where's Judas? I'm looking for <laughs> Judas in the Last Supper picture. He's reaching for the bread. more. <laughs> that is what you see. I say in Dwarvis, truly Nargrim was one of the brightest sparks to ever spout from the forge of Torag. It is a shame what has happened. We must consecrate this place. And I ask them to approach with me. For centuries, our ancestors, nay, all dwarves have heard of this tomb. And now, now we set our eyes upon it. Our kinsmen, they both take a knee and begin silently praying. They stand up, look at Baron, and nod. And the three dwarves walk forward into the room, up the steps, and look into the sarcophagus. Although the skeletal corpse, the remains, still wears armor, you see that its right arm ends in a stump, and Nargrim's legendary steel hand is nowhere to be seen. Oh my god. His skull has been crushed completely, and parts of what clearly had to have been his beard hacked off. Not unlike when you saw Umlo. Incredible dishonor. His steel helm, legendary steel helm, shattered to pieces beneath his shattered skull. To your right, you see a broken cage and a long rug rolled up that seems to be bulging with objects. To your left, in the other alcove, is an elaborate candelabra covered with drippings of dried purple and red wax. Each, it holds probably a dozen melted candle stubs. That is what you see. What's going on with Della, Nestor, and Willamette? Sir Willamette is, uh, once the dwarves ascended the stairs, he is uh, very suspicious of this traitorous ancestor, and he is going to kind of do a, a 360 and cast Detect Evil on the area, and he's eyeing up these like back alcoves and the door we came in. So he's basically, he feels like if something came out up there, the dwarves could handle themselves, but he's going to watch their back. So he's sort of looking where we came from and in the back alcoves. Uh, for any sort of evil presence um, besides Nestor. Feeling around, <laughs> detecting evil. I mean, you got to think at this point how deep below the surface you are. Yeah. You guys came down that shaft was 120 feet. and then another 50 feet. Gone down you probably feel the weight 50, of the feet. earth above you. you right. Know? Surrounded by stone. Complete darkness, right? except for Nestor's bow. And, I have, Complete I, darkness and I'm, I'm holding a torch. The torch and Nestor's bow. I just see you on the wolf. Yep. Looking around. You do not detect evil. Okay. But I'm just going to keep an eye back there. Right. You're feeling it. Uh, you sense evil, but you don't, in the mechanical sense, detect evil. Okay. Just detect the presence of evil. Could Della walk over to the where all the baubles are? 
sure. And in do a the, perception uh, check. In these braziers. Yeah, look at. She'll look at the left brazier and just south brazier and see if there's anything going on. Brazier there. crane. Yeah, I'll roll perception. <laughs> uh, Twenty-seven. <laughs> so you go to the the north uh, east or the southeast. This the south. You see many valuables. You detect ma- you magic. detect magic on some boots. Um, there's a, a clay vase on an iron stand sculpted to look like a coiled dragon. Three chunks of azurite, a yellow golden topaz, and a uh, small leather embossed casket which has co- a ton of coins inside of it. That's what you see to the southernmost. Scoop it up. Alcove. Della is having had the conversation with Baron about this. Is worried about touching any of the or taking or touching any of the objects, but she sure. does make make a note to tell the dwarfs about it. Right, right. Well, Indiana Jones stuff going on here. Yeah. No, I'm not going to like switch out the sandbag thing. Right. But I just want to see if there's any. And then uh, I detect magic there, and I just, can I walk over and look at the other? Sure. Brazier crane. Well, I was actually going to do that oh, myself. Ah, good. We'll share. So sharing is good. Uh, twenty perception. Nestor, you go up there and you see more of what if Del. I don't know Del if you were speaking aloud like this, this, that, and the other thing. Were you or? Uh, yeah, she's she's going to say the tell and, the dwarfs about it. And you see her visually uh, sifting through that. Nestor, you go up there and you see more stuff. Um, an abacus with hematite beads, a large drinking horn engraved with entwining oak leaves and silver inlays, an ivory measuring rod with carved numbers that you don't recognize an obsidian statuette of a female fire giant a wooden box containing a set of eight bronze measuring weights carved to resemble squatting goblins <laughs> and a sack of coins uh, I'm going to I'm going to check for traps okay. specifically around it um, 28 does not appear to be trapped I start uh, stuffing a sack full of all this stuff Jesus. Can I roll perception and see if I hear this? Uh, yeah. Or notice? Well, I, and I'm going to do a sleight of hand to see if I can hide it. Uh, 23. 20 on the perception. You'd have to do that on every object, so, Nestor, though. Yeah, I uh, failed. Uh, Willamette failed perception as well. Okay, so, and the dwarves are busy looking in the sarcophagus. So, Nestor, you're, you're able to get the sack of coins and like the female fire giant that here. kills me because I want to talk about the female fire giant thing <laughs> damn it Nestor Nestor's able to get that's a, awesome a so you, you have to do it on every one so you have to decide sleight of hand is per small object it's a roll unless you want to let it roll sure yeah well I mean I'm, everyone's doing their own thing I'm saying Nestor's able to get a couple of the things okay and no one, no one knows. knows anything yeah I mean classic Nestor I mean I will <laughs> he got the bag of coins Nestor sure. Nestor there, what do you see over is there, there anything yeah. in that brazier uh, yeah, there's a lot of things here. Um, <laughs> hold on a minute. Let me, uh, I've got, let me, uh, let me, let me take a look at it. Let me take a closer look. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you a, an inventory. Ingrid is standing. <laughs> Will is like, take your time. <laughs> uh, Della would like to sense motive on, on, on Nestor. Sure. Uh, 16 bluff. Yep, fail. Nice. He's good. Nicely done, Even Nestor. when he's bad, he's good. <laughs> uh, Umlo is like, this corpse has been desecrated. Paladin, can can you do a check? Can you can you look at this body? Something has happened to him. So I'll take that as permission to approach the altar, and right. I will uh, 
I'm gonna trot my way up there, and uh, and on ho- on uh, horseback, on wolfback, I should be able to see into the coffin, right? I'll be sure. tall enough to see in. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I look in, and uh, what are you asking me to roll? Uh, roll a heel check. A heel check. Okay. So I'll, I'll place my offhand uh, on the the shattered skull. <coughs> Natural one. <laughs> Sorry, Troy. Joe's <laughs> you, you, gonna roll. Joe's gonna, gonna roll. roll. Dell can do a heel check too if you call her over. Uh, so, Willamette, I, I can do it too. You look and you just you, all you see is a, a crushed skull. Yeah. You don't even notice that the, the act. The act of a madman is I all I can say. I, I, Baron, you're right there. You're like, oh, let me look. Twenty-one. DC twenty. Ooh. You notice some very disturbing things. You notice bite marks on the bones. Yeah. He was starving. You notice, you know, severe damaging of the bones as well. But most disturbing of all, with a 21 heel check, you are pretty sure all these injuries were made post-mortem, mm-hmm. suggesting deliberate desecration of the corpse. Mm. Ingrid says, this is horrible. What, what is this rock? It seems to be full of baubles. Shall I look inside? It's your ancestor. Who will help me? Umlo says, I will help. And they go over to the rug in the northern alcove and open it up. As they open it up, a bunch of ching, 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 ching falls to the ground. Willamette's holding a torch up over it so he can see everything as it's coming out. Ching, 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 ching. You see a bunch of stuff fall out, a box... Um, among uh, like a box, a candelabra, a this, a that, you know, a bunch of little things. But also, as they un- open it up, spores start to come out. Oh no! Oh god, uh, I hate spores! Yellow spores start filling the room. <laughs> they start coughing immediately. Everybody roll a fortitude save. Oh fuck. Ooh. Poison? Uh, yes, indeed. Willamette saved. It's 23 or 25 if it is, whatever you want. 14 for Della. Eight. Eight. I, I, just to be clear, even those people, because uh, uh, Nestor is really on the yeah, far we're side way, of the we're we're like 60 feet away. Is that still affecting them? Yeah, it, fell, it, it immediately fills the room. They open it up. <laughs> Ingrid and Amlo both failed. An 11 and a 14. It was DC 15. Oh. Nestor takes two points of con damage. Oh, Della takes... Three points of con damage. Oh my god. Ingrihild takes two points. Umlo takes three points. Okay, so you, you take the, the con damage and it's working its way through you. What does Willamette do? Uh, Willamette, I'm assuming he's near Umlo and Ingrihild? Yes. Uh, he will go to uh, Umlo. He'll go up to Umlo and he'll, you know, he sees obviously that he's affected by something. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm right next to Baron too, right? And wait, but you saved. Okay, so he sees Umlo is affected by something. So he's going to come right up to Umlo and uh, immediately try to do a heel check on him. Okay. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you can roll your heel check. If it passes the DC of the poison, then, that, then Umlo would get a plus four to his next roll if it's another save on the poison. Okay. I'm going to try to beat the DC of the poison. Um, 18. 
18, you, you beat the DC of the poison. So Umlo would get a, a plus four on if he was doing another fortitude save okay. on the poison. So I'm going to just So I'm, I'm trying to tell him, like, you know, what to do. Right. So Umlo, Cover your mouth. Umlo passes the save All right. because of that, but is still not cured. It takes two saves. Oh, shit. To cure it. Uh, so he's got one save. So uh, can I try it again, you think, uh, mechanically? Uh, like try to, or, or does it roll over? It, uh, yeah, it can roll over. I'm okay, gonna another do, plus four. But I'm going to do Ingrahild now. Ingrahild failed again. Oh, shit. Uh, Ingrahild now is down five con. I do it. They're do dying. Here. They're dying right in front of us. I see, Baron, what do you do? I see Ingrahild go down and see her acting bad, and I say, Ingrahild, please let me help you. And I roll a heel check on her the same way. Okay. That is a 18. 18. Uh, that passes. And she uh, succeeds. So that's one succession for her. Mm. One for Umlo. <clears throat> Della, do you want to do a heel check on yourself? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. And if I want to cover my face or something, is that, can I? Um, no. It's already in you. Natural no. 20. Natural 20. Oh, now nice. roll a fortitude save. You should have used that for the fortitude yeah, save. <laughs> Oh no, no. <laughs> 11. Oh. With the plus shit. four? Della takes one point of con damage extra. Nestor, do you have the heal skill? Um, I don't. Okay. Uh, roll a forge to save. I will charge over. I mean, if I see them down there, uh, like sort of succumbing to this coughing, whatever, will limit. Will, I mean, depends on how many I can do around. If you're saying this is kind of an initiative thing, then. Uh, you'll, you'll have to wait till the next one. Nestor, okay. did you get it? Uh, 24. All right, so Nestor's got one save in the bank. Oh, Della's got zero saves in the bank. <coughs> Umlo and Ingrahild. Lexington, have we must help them. One save in the bank each. Everybody roll a perception check. Ooh, 16. 20. 20 for Willamette. 21 for Della. 31. No, 22. 22. 31 for Baron. He is Everyone so perceptive. except Nestor hears off in the distance, kink coming from the hallway and the secret door that you came down. Oh, no. I said I was watching our back. Kink. <laughs> someone close that door. Uh, Della. All right, now, you want to rush to someone? Uh, I am you going see to... see Della kind of like falling to her knees. No, hearing that noise, I am going to rush to the door. And try to close the door that we came in. Okay. Was it a door or was it a doorway into the... No, it was a door into the room. You took the secret door down the stairs and then another door into yeah. the room. So I'm going to like, ride down real quick and try to shut the door. Boom, you shut the door. Okay. Uh, Baron, what do you want to do? Do you want to help anybody out? Uh, I have actually gotten to a point where I don't know what's happening, but I'm holding Ingrid as if she's like a loved one. Like, I'm holding her, like, in La Pieta, She's as down. Mary held Jesus. She's down five con, and she is buckling, and you're just holding her there. Do you want to do a, another heel check on if her? I can. Try and give her some help here? Uh, 14. 14. Well, I thought you said you were going to roll it over. Are you not going to roll it over? You rolled it over, over for Oh, rolled it. All right, so you did that on Ingrahild, or you did yeah, that on Yeah, I did on Ingrahild. Okay, so now Ingrahild. They should each have a plus four to their second save. Ingrahild makes the second oh. save. So Ingrahild is no longer poisoned, but she's down five con. Uh, Umlo, is anybody doing anything, have the opportunity? To, oh, you're, I already did it. You already Umlo's did good. it for Umlo. A plus four. Umlo, natural one. So he oh, now, no. Umlo now resets, because he has to get two consecutive Say He's down four con. He just got one more con <laughs> down. Della, you're at the door. Uh, Nestor and Della roll another save. You. And I'm gonna God. say, I'm and gonna say, you get plus four. You get a plus four, Della. Can Della chug a potion of lesser restoration? Uh, in a moment, Nestor 
cured. 23. 23. With a 23. I, nice. can see that. I can see the die from here. Della, what is that? Natural five. Natural oh, five for Della. Oh. Della loses two more points of con. Oh, my God. And this then could kill. This could kill. Della yeah. is near death. Umlo has now reset his uh, fortitude saves and is near death. Ingrahild is okay. Willamette is okay. Baron is okay. Nestor is okay. Above you, in the viewing chamber, you see the emaciated living corpse of a dwarf stamping up and down. Oh, what? He says, <laughs> now you will live out your days trapped in the sepulcher of that coward, just like I did, just like they did to me, like I did, like they did to me. <laughs> Long ago, so many years ago, 700 years, now you will die! We'll see you next week. Oh, no! Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.